What is with that shirt, man? What's wrong with my shirt? <sighs> Please tell me it's not freshly laundered. <laughs> you can't tell? <laughs> <laughs> it is the nine days. Welcome to Kiddish Club. News for Jews. We are here. It's a special episode because we are in the nine days and we're like days away from Tisha B'Av, which if you don't know, it's like a 26, 27 hour fast. 27? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Where'd you get 27 from? I don't know. I feel like it's like it's between 26. It's not 24. It's 25. Okay, Isn't so it 25? 25 hours? I think so. 25 and a half. It's definitely not 27. Okay. Well, well maybe, it depends. It depends. Maybe you're a Benu Tom, whatever. It could be 27 for some people. Still not 27. <laughs> well, how about this? We have a rabbi with us that we can ask that question to. What, why are we debating? That's we'd, true. <laughs> we'd like to welcome. It's a big honor for us to have with us Rabbi Yaakov Rahimi. You probably know him from seeing him or listening to him on tour anytime or from Chazak. And it's our great pleasure to welcome him. Welcome, Rabbi Rahimi. Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure being here. The Kiddush Club. What kind of name is Kiddush Club? <laughs> Do you Let's have any idea what, what you're doing here? Any at all? Really, no. I was uh, sent here, and uh, still, even though I met you for a good 20 minutes already, you are very funny, <laughs> but I still don't know why I'm here. But we all know Hashem has a reason for everything. I guess we'll find out. Sometimes you find it 50 years later, but we'll find out. And a special shout out to Yechiel for putting this together. He is a, a, a listener fan. And this episode is sponsored once again by winfordeal.com. Let's face it, all of us could use a little bit of extra dough. All of us could use possibly a trip to Eretz Yisrael. Now is the time you got to be in it to win it. One ticket, $180. You can be the winner of one of these amazing prizes. And at the same time, you're supporting a worthwhile institution. The raffle is being run by the Synagogue of Deal. That's a synagogue in Deal, New Jersey. The website is winfordeal.com, W-I-N-F-O-R-D-E-A-L.com. They are also having mini raffles every day leading up to July 30th. That means the sooner you buy your ticket, you are eligible to win in one of the mini raffles. So don't waste time. Go out, buy your ticket. Good luck to all of our listeners. I hope it's one of our listeners that win. Uh, truth, I hope it's me that wins, but... If not me, I hope it's one of our listeners. Winforadeal.com is the website. Go out, buy a ticket, show them that you, that you support our podcast. So Rabbi Rahimi, tell us a little bit about yourself. How did you get involved? I know you're very involved with Curve. Uh, you're, very, you're all over Torah anytime. That's where we found you. Tell us a little bit about your background and how you got involved in all this stuff. Okay, thank you for having me. Uh, first of all, please answer the question, why in the world are you called the Kiddush Club? Can I hear an answer for that? <laughs> yes. Because the idea, in a nutshell, is that the conversation that you're going to have is basically the same type of conversation that you'd have at a Kiddush club. At a Kiddush club. Exactly. But which type of Kiddush club? A Hasidish Kiddush club ah. or a Sephardic Kiddush club? It's the type of Kiddush club that doesn't happen during davening. I'm against those. There's, there's so much time in the day. Why are you, like, skipping out on Musaf? I agree. That's because they're smelling the cholent. <laughs> But that's but you could have that you, same chalent you could have right after right right after Musaf that's when we go to Kiddush Club you know you know what no the rabbi's right I have found that smell is a major part of dieting and breaking diets if you're and that's why I gained so much weight over COVID because when you're home and your wife is cooking and you smell it that's that's the downfall right there's the downfall so when they start smelling the chalent it starts speaking to you and it's much more difficult to turn it away agreed. <laughs> so back to the rabbi 
Yes. So okay, that's so what that's what Kiddush Club comes from. But we want to hear about you. Okay. So thank you for having me. Thank you, Yechiel. So basically, um, I was born in Eretz Yisrael. I was zoichet to be an Israeli. I was not born in America, like you guys. You guys are American. No? Yes. American. <laughs> born in <laughs> Okay, but I say with pride, I was born in Israel, and then we uh, moved to America. I grew up in Los Angeles for a couple of years. We were not religious when we were younger, and then my parents made a unbelievable move. It was a miracle. It was a nest. They decided to move to Lakewood. You're talking about the year 2000, right before 9-11, from Los wow. Angeles to Lakewood. Wow, so hold up. Your parents were non-religious Israelis? Non-religious Israelis in Los Angeles. Mind blown. Right. The reason why we chose Lakewood, or they chose Lakewood, is because everybody knows New York and Brooklyn and Muncie, but obviously everything was very expensive, and they wanted a new starting community. And back then, in the year 2000, Lakewood was still considered a new starting community, so that's why we moved to Lakewood. Did they become from before they went to Lakewood? A little bit through Chabad. We went to the Chabad classes, the Chabad shul. We had good times in Los Angeles. I have to admit, it was a lot of fun with Chabad over there. And then we moved to Chabad Lakewood. Chabad is always a lot of fun. Yeah, Chabad is a blast. <laughs> they really are. No, they're, they really, really are. 100%. Talking about a kiddush club, go to Chabad's kiddush club. That's 100%. <laughs> Shout out to Chabad. They have chicken every Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday in shuls, especially at Brit Milah. Everyone went to Chabad Bris Milah? No. Okay, so you got to go to Chabad's Bris Milah afterwards. It's, it's what, 9 in the morning, 10 in the morning, and they come out with chicken and steak and sandwiches. <laughs> really? Yeah. That they is have, they my have meat for Bris Milah. Oh, that is my kind of bris. And the Love that. Yeah, yeah. So it's a party. There's a Chabad on Lakewood, by the way. People don't know, but on Central Avenue in Lakewood, there's a Chabad. Are you still tight with Chabad? A little bit. I go visit. I go to the Rebbe's Kaver to daven here and there. Um, but not, I'm not Chabad anymore. Once we moved to Lakewood, I discovered a whole new world. And in that world, when my Rebbe, when I first went, I went to a school called Bitzal Hebrew Day School. It doesn't exist anymore, and I have a record, unfortunately, that every school that I went to after I left it closed down. <laughs> I'm not going to name all of them right now. The only place that didn't close down that I went to was BMG in Lakewood. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, no. But I went to Bitsal. I, I heard that they, that they deny that you ever went there. Is that true? <laughs> <laughs> Happens to be that would be true because I'm not in their papers. That's really? Reality. Yeah, I just learned there for seven, eight years. Uh-huh. But I wasn't part of the papers. <laughs> You have to get shots and stuff, you know how it is. If you sure, Legally, sure. yeah, okay. So, basically, I went to B'Tzal Hebrew Day School, um, and over there I had tremendous good rabbeim that I would say saved my life. They made me uh, religious, they taught me Torah, and they sat with me. I did not know how to read Rashi letters. I mean, you're talking about fifth and sixth grade. Wow. I did not know how to read any Rashi letters. Uh, never really learned Gemara before, or Mishnayis, or anything, but they sat after school, and they taught me, they came to my house, and they sat with me slowly and slowly. They taught me la'at, la'at. But that means your parents were really pushing for this because it never could have happened if your parents were like, you know, we're thinking of Israelis, completely unreligious Israelis that started to get a little frimmer from Chabad. But now they're in Lakewood and you're in fifth grade, sixth grade. You can't read Rashi script. And it's not going to happen if there's not a force that's really pushing it. So, I mean, it's... I, I would assume that your parents were pushing this. Yeah, my parents definitely gave me the chizik and pushed me for it. I actually remember one of the incentives. <clears throat> one of the incentives back then in Lakewood, the only restaurant that was around, we discussed it before, the only store that was around was <laughs> Bagel Nash. Bagel Nash. Now, wherever you're listening, you listen, and wherever you are, if you ever want to taste good donuts, not that we're into Tyvus and food, <laughs> but if you want to taste a good donut, Bagel Nash is the place to go. I, I, and I'm going to pause and tell you, it's not just the, the donuts. I am addicted to bagel nash tuna i'm just gonna tuna. throw that up 
the bagel nosh tuna oh, gosh. is no it, are you a tuna guy i'm actually allergic to fish oh okay so, be so, about this so you right can't now. say oh gosh <laughs> <laughs> bagel nosh tuna is tops bagel nosh if you're out there listening they don't sponsor this but they should because i am a huge bagel nosh fan i love their mini donuts and i love their tuna obsessed with them so bagel nosh was incentive we used to have something called Mishmar Night, if you guys remember that back in the day mm-hmm. when we were boys. Mishmar Night is if you stay extra and you learn at night in shul after school, then you get a prize, you get something, a treat. The treat was always Bagel Nash Donuts. It was worth it learning for an extra hour and a half <laughs> just to get that Bagel Nash Donut. So if you're talking about incentives for my parents, uh, that's what it was. So basically, we started learning back then. And then afterwards, I went to a yeshiva called Yardley, Pennsylvania. Which again doesn't exist. You're at least a city in Pennsylvania, <laughs> you in are Bucks kidding. County. <laughs> I was there for high school, and then listen to the next part. Then I went to Deal Yeshiva hmm. for 11th to 12th grade, and that place closed down. <laughs> so there's I'm no. Not, I'm not laughing. You it closed are down. I'm not laughing. It closed down. I wish no, no, it was still no, open. No, it's just, it just ironic. I wasn't joking. So there's no proof that you have any education. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> one second. One second. Can I see your passport? You're not from like Beirut, Lebanon, are you? It's oh, actually you funny. remember that story? Too soon? Too soon? <laughs> it's actually funny you're bringing that. Oh, well, from that guy you said. Yes, yes. No, but that guy ended up being was Jewish at that. There's <laughs> machlaikas on that. Oh, okay. Not sure. on that. We're, we're not going to get into it. We're not going to get into that. Okay. We're not going to get into it, but I just want to make sure because you, you do look, you have a Middle Eastern-y look. Baruch Hashem. Baruch Hashem. You, yeah. you mentioned that you're Persian yes. before we Proudly. started recording. Proud Persian. Right. So I'm just putting it out there. I want to make sure that, you know, we're not going to have ICE coming in and pulling you away in the middle of the interview. Oh, no. First of all, as long as Biden is president, the ICE is coming to take you, <laughs> not true. me. <laughs> Very good. Correct. Uh, but the truth is you're on point because I only became an American citizen around five, six years ago. Oh, wow. wow. So if you're on point on that. Wait, did you take the, you took the citizen test? Oh, yes. Wow. I have actually an interesting story about that. Very embarrassing story. Even though I am a rabbi, quote unquote, and I have smicha, but I don't have smicha when it comes to vocab. So when I was taking my test in Manhattan to become a citizen, the lady there was being so nice to me. It was Seattle the Shemaya that, you know, Hashem sent me such a nice person that was being uh, makol with me and lenient. But she asked me to spell the word George Washington. Now, even though we heard the word George Washington our whole lives, when we actually have to spell it, <laughs> that's a whole different ballgame. And I spelled it wrong. George, I got right. But Washington, I got wrong. And she looked at me and she's like, Rabbi. You don't know how to spell Washington, and you live in the United States of America. I said, you're right. You're right. It's actually very sad that I live here. I don't know how to spell Washington, the person who founded this country. And then I told myself, we're living on earth. Hashem gives us life. Hashem gives us life every single day. Hashem gives us so much Torah, so much mitzvot, so many opportunities. But you sometimes ask a person an obvious question. What is your goal in life? Why did Hashem put you in this world? And sometimes a person can not give a straight answer. What are you shooting for? Why are you here for? Why are you learning? Why are you davening? What's going on? It gave me a tremendous Muslim. Do you agree? I agree. I mean, you have to agree. You, but, you, but, but, the, but did the officer accept your Muslim? <laughs> oh, the, oh, the officer, that's a whole different thing. You know, there's a Muslim and Nimshal. The officer, she was being nice to me. And then around the third, fourth guess, I got it right at that. I'll tell you what. Do you the, have to be able to spell it? What's the, what's the shaykhis? Of, oh, of course. What Why? And she asked me other questions. She asked me, what is the, um, <clears throat> the Second Amendment of the Constitution? And I told her, you're lucky on this one, because right when I drove here, I listened to Ben Shapiro on the radio. And <laughs> wow. only you didn't about, say that, did you? I <laughs> they ben would Shapiro. reject you I on the spot. <laughs> I told you, she was being nice. Yes, you're lucky. You're she actually lucky. had a Trump flag in her office, by the way. No. no I'm joking. Of course not. 
But <laughs> until the Second Amendment is in politics now, so I happen to know what it is. Nice. But she accepted me. It was very nice. Baruch Hashem. And FYI, and I became a citizen. Just so you know, what I was quoting before, according to a national survey, if Americans in general were to take that citizen test, only one in three would pass. What? That's a fact. Unbelievable. That's sad. By and the way. I know that it's true because I've seen some of the questions, and some of the questions I was like, "Wait, what's the answer to that question?" <laughs> so you passed it. So kudos for that. But it's sad. It is sad. That the country is like that. Uh, it's not a good thing. The uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who's running for president, one of the uh, he's actually gr- gaining in the polls right now. So he's actually co- completely tied right now with DeSantis for the number two position. He's a very interesting guy. We've played some some things from him in the past. One of the things he wants to institute if he becomes president is that there's three uh, eligibility factors that would make someone eligible to vote. One of them is that you would not be eligible to vote if you can't pass the citizen test. Wow. Amazing, right? Yes. But That's it makes sense, off, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, you have to educate them first. Exactly. That's the problem. Exactly. Because you have people who have no idea... The first thing about anything to do yeah, with the no country. but no one cares. No one cares. It's true. That's the problem. It's true. So, I mean, we're talking a little bit about politics. Uh, yeah, how do I, we get to that? I, because we talk a lot about politics, actually. Do we, that's good news. We do. We do. But okay. one thing, you know, that's on my mind, uh, and I see, you know, the path that you're taking, is when you look right now at the political world, you mentioned Trump, you see Biden, you see what's going on, it, it kind of feels, it's, it's hard I'm a nervous person by nature. I've talked about this many times. It's hard to be an American, living in America, and not feel anxious. Do you feel that way? Yes, 100%. Is, yes. is it warranted? What's going on? What do you, what do you think? What does a Kaddish Baruch Hu, what does he want from us over here? What's the point? So that's, that's a beautiful question, and it, it, it haunts me. I wouldn't say on a daily basis, but definitely on a, on a weekly basis. Um, the peak of that was after COVID, after Clearly, the, the unfortunately, clearly, they, they stole the elections. Okay, don't kill me, but they clearly stole the elections. Let me just say that the views expressed by our... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that, that's what scared me the most. Why did it scare me the most? Because I don't want to just talk politics. Everything is a shkaf. Everything has a message to us, the Jewish people. Everything has a message. A person who's going to say, current events has nothing to do with us. I'm a ben I don't get involved in current events. It's nothing to do with me. It really depends on your age. You know, if you really are a yeshiva bocher and you're in the sugya, it's better you don't follow the news. But at the end of the day, when someone is a mature adult, everything that happens in the news is a message to us, Kaiser. So like the Chafetz Chaim says, when an earthquake happens in the world, Hashem is talking to us in Yiddish. Because back in the day, Jews only spoke Yiddish in Europe, the European Jews. So any message that happens in the world through current events, Hashem is trying to give us a lesson. you got to change about this, you have to improve about this. So whatever is happening in the country or in the world as a whole, is definitely a message to us, the Jewish people. What is that message? You want to say something? No. You're ready. It looks like you want to say something. You sure? Okay. You should get like a card here. Say yes. Look. <laughs> not the card. I don't no, know. It would be good, but it's good that you're reading me because yeah. it happens to be I don't want to say anything, but go ahead. <laughs> what, what is the message that Hashem is giving us? And I see it I see it clearly. I want to tell you, by the way, one of my favorite jobs that I had, which I didn't mention in the beginning, was working for NCSY. One of my favorite jobs before COVID. What was the job I had? And I loved it. My job was to go inside the public schools high schools, and teach a Jewish club, meaning you had Jewish boys and girls coming after school, in between periods, different, different subjects, and I will come with sushi and pizza or shinto sandwiches, and a lot of boys and girls would come, and I would teach them about Judaism. And that was my favorite job, because I felt like, almost like a Ramavino. I went right in there, 
And to make everybody happy, I used to have an American clip over here on the side, like American flag clip. And I would go right in there. And but the you, cops you, you, did that, to, you did that just to make people feel comfortable, or did you feel a certain patriotic? I felt a patriotic thing. I, felt, I thought it was beautiful that America lets different religions get inside the school and preach about Judaism like that. I think that's unbelievable. So as much as we're going to make fun of Democrats and the Americans, at the end of the day, they give us an unbelievable stage and opportunity to spread there as much as possible. So that's for sure gifted to them, and that's what the Medina Sechese, that's what some rabbis will tell you to celebrate July 4th, because we owe Rabbi a Victor huge... Miller, absolutely. Victor Miller, that's who he was? He's one of the people, yeah. They used to celebrate July 4th. One of the G'daylam, who, who constantly spoke about having a karsatayv to the country, because uh, I, I heard him with my own ears. He once, I, I think I mentioned on the podcast once, or maybe not. Uh, I, I heard him with my own ears say, you have to say, Baruch Hashem for the meter maids. I almost passed out when I heard that because <laughs> I was a young guy. What? For the meter maids? Because without the meter maids, and it's, it's per chaos, right? Because without the meter maids, there would be chaos. And so that's what he was saying. He was saying that America is giving us the, uh, the framework to be able to learn and to be able to grow. And if you think about it, there's tremendous amount of tire in America. I mean... Aside from Israel, there is no other place that has as much Torah as there is. So they are giving us that opportunity. But please continue. I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, it's a Medina Shachesed for sure. But we have to appreciate it. It's, 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 you know what it is? Even though I talk like I'm 60, I'm not. I'm 30. <laughs> but we diff, we, I, I still grew up in a different generation that I see the younger generation that I'm learning with. They're in a different headspace. They don't but, even realize what they're getting. But I think partly is because you didn't. You're not American. You weren't. You're not a, a natural born citizen. That's true. So you appreciate it, and I'm sure your parents appreciate it as well. I mean, well. Israel is an unbelievable place. I mean, yes, uh, I'm not <laughs> saying not. But Iran is not the greatest place in the Iran? world. Iran. Oh gosh. I mean, you're Persian, right? I am Persian. Yes. I'm sure. <laughs> do with Iran. But your parents probably. You know, you, Iran, I'm sure no, you've heard stories. Your grandparents? grandparents. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They have beautiful stories. Iran is. But you should just know, Iran is a beautiful place. The okay. weather there is perfect. <laughs> Don't make fun of it. Let's just start with the foods. You ever tried choresh? You ever had choresh before? No, but I did have uh, tadik. I don't know what that is. That's the rice, the crunchy rice. I like that a lot. Okay. You know? That's all I got. <laughs> That's all I got. The so choresh is delicious, but let's not talk about that for a second. We already spoke about donuts. Let's not talk about choresh now. <laughs> um, second, so what is the message that I shot? You want to say something? What? <laughs> <laughs> I was going to just go with the cuckoo zabzi. I mean, I heard a lot about that. He heard a lot about it. He mentions it all the time. I won't try it. No, that's the gourmet zabzi. But now I found out there's something called cuckoo zabzi. I don't know what it is. We talk about it all the time. We don't know what it is. Maybe the Persian listeners will fill us in because I don't know. You know, Persian, it's a beautiful culture. I teach in Raz in New York. It's a city right outside Great Neck, Queens. And they have a beautiful Persian community there. I go there once a week. I go on Mondays. Tomorrow I'm going. Do they really have a beautiful community? Or are you just scared to say anything different than no, that? No, no, you should just know. I always say that uh, um, one of the beautiful communities that we have in New York is a Syrian community. And I would say that the Persian community in Great Neck and in Razan definitely, I would say, is competitive to the Syrian community. Wow. That's what I would say. With rabbis and schools and Torah and Yerat Shalem that's spread in those communities is unbelievable. And how many people are supporting the next generation in that community is, is tremendous. That's why I love work with the Persians, besides that I'm Persian. But they always ask me, the only one Persian word I know is a curse. I'm not going to say it. So <laughs> say it. That's I'm usually how it is. <laughs> so to answer your question, what exactly is Hashem trying to tell us living in such a anxiety country as we speak with politics that keeps on changing basically on a, on a daily basis? 
The answer is Rabotai, and that's the sad reality, is that we're, we're, we got way too comfortable in the, in the country that we're in. We got way too comfortable. Just the other day I spoke about Tisha B'Av and the Choram Beis Amikdash, how we have to go back to Yerushalayim. And a teenage boy, around 18 years old, tells me, Rabbi, I don't even know what the point of Tisha B'Av is and everything. And the rebuilding of Jerusalem, Yerushalayim. Yerushalayim is a beautiful city as we speak. I mean, a property in, in Yerushalayim, a small one-bedroom apartment, is, I don't know, close to $10 million in my world. Untouchable, it. basically. It's untouchable. Oh, yeah, it's, it's worse than Ocean Parkway in Brooklyn. <laughs> you know, it's very, very, very expensive. Very expensive. There's the best restaurants in Yerushalaym, the best jobs. There's entertainment there, unfortunately, but there is in Yerushalayim. There's sports, there's stadiums, there's shuls, there's yeshivot, there's koelalim, there's all the chachamim. So he tells me, what, what, what exactly are we missing? What, are we, what, what are we, more do you want? It's a world-class city. We have everything there. It's so a good what, question. So what it's are we a, crying a about, really? We're built Jerusalem. It is built. Everything <laughs> is right there. What are you even talking about? And I answer them with a mashan. And, and once a person understands this muscle, if a person understands this parable, then you get what the concept of Tishvav is and exactly what we're lacking. I told them, imagine you have, I once read an article about a, uh, a boy, a young teenager, that his family was very wealthy and they took like a tour of his house. And he had a beautiful house, beautiful pool, beautiful garden. He had a personal chef. He was saying he has a personal chef. They had a massive TV. He had all the video games he wanted, beautiful couches. Everything was top, top notch. He had everything he needed. At the end of the article, and as I was reading the article when I was younger, I was like, wow, this guy has everything. It was somewhere in Mexico. I was like, this guy has everything. At the end of the article, I mentioned, oh, by the way, this boy, his parents passed away in a plane crash. Oy. I was like, what? Oy. So he can have the fanciest thing he wants. You can have the fanciest house, the fanciest car, the best chef you want, the nicest pool, the nicest carpet, the nicest marble floors, the best couches, all video games you want, all money that you want. But what is it like what? We should never know of it. But what is it walking into a house that's massive with no parents? Something is missing. It's never going to be the same, never going to be the same, and the pain is unbearable. So I told them, yeah, we have Yerushalayim, we have real estate, we have the rabbis, Baruch Hashem, we have Yeshivot, we have Chachamim, we have the restaurants, but what is it without Hashem, without the Shekhinah, what are you talking about? We're missing HaKadosh Baruch Hu. we're missing the Shekhinah. Hashem is not there the way He's supposed to be there when He actually built the Beit HaMikdash. And if we don't have parents, we don't have the Shekhinah, the real Kedushah, what is it all worth? And that's what we're diving for. We're diving for Hashem to come back and the Shekhinah to actually come back to Yerushalayim with the Beis HaMikdash. So, Beautifully said, but I will say this. On a practical level, it's very hard to connect to those words. Do you know what I mean? For example, this, this boy, you're right, and he doesn't have his parents, but let's say a, a young man who has parents, Baruch Hashem, he's living a very comfortable life in America, and you tell him, but we don't have the Shekhinah, the Shekhinah's not here. Okay, but, but I'm lacking for nothing, really. So what, what do you say to that young man? That's a beautiful question, a fair question. To answer that, the answer is this, what is the, to all the, I guess I will say the teenagers listening, whoever asked this question, fair question to ask, what is your greatest motivation in life? The answer is enjoyment. Why do people go to work to make money? What do you need money for? It's cash, it's paper, it's nothing, it's nada. The answer is money gives you enjoyment. The main motivation of life is enjoyment, enjoyment, enjoyment. The Mesilsi Sharm writes that, the Ramchal writes that, the main motivation is enjoyment. So I have a simple question to ask you. All the enjoyments that you're running after, all the enjoyments that you want in the world. Who created all that enjoyments? HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Hashem. And Hashem, 
who actually manufactured you and this world and the enjoyment that you love and you're pursuing on a daily basis. The same creator is telling you, you don't know what you're talking about. You don't know what you're missing out. If you think this is enjoyment, wait until you have Yerushalayim. Wait until you have the Beis Hamikdash with real Kedusha and holiness. Enjoyment is going to be much bigger and greater. So to answer that question, we're so lost and we're so far removed of what real enjoyment is and what real fun is that we don't even fathom to understand why we need the Beit HaMikdash. It's almost like you mentioned Iran before. Yes. It's almost like taking an Iranian citizen that's right now being abused in the country. And then you tell them, by the way, Davin, you can move to America, you can go to New York, you can have freedom. You can do like, what do I need this for? I'm happy here. I have my little, uh, whatever it is over there, my carpet, I'm good to go. I serve Muhammad. I'm good. What do you want from me? What do you? You're so close-minded. You just want to shake them. Hello, where are you? Hashem is telling us we got so used to being small. We got so used to having small standards of who we are. It's a problem because we can be much greater and bigger in life with the Beit Dash. So to answer that question, why you want the Beit HaMikdash on a selfish level, the reason why you want the Beit HaMikdash is because you want to enjoy life. And real enjoyment comes when we have the really Rishalayim. And who said all this? Not the rabbis, Hashem. The creator of the world who created all the fun stuff is telling you there's no greater fun than having the Beit HaMikdash. If you really believe in fun and if you really believe in Hashem, all you want is the Beit HaMikdash. To make it practical. So for selfish reasons, you want it. For selfish reasons, yes. It's interesting because I think the Gemara says that after the Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, meat lost its taste. The meat we taste today is only a shadow of, of what it really is. So on that selfish level, like that's, that's a reason. And for me, I mean, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's you know, getting into the head of Tisha B'Av for me is really, and this is something uh, that I think many people don't think about, is no matter how much enjoyment anyone does have, there's always something in life that is bothering us or that we're worried about or that is painful or we're seeing family members going through pain or we're seeing friends, relatives, whoever it may be, everyone unfortunately has something. And so we're davening for Mashiach so that there can be an end to this suffering. I mean, it's not hard. We look around the world, you see people, you see what's going on in Eretz Yisrael, you see you know, the terrorism, the constant fear, and I'm, we'll talk a little bit about Eretz Yisrael and what's going on there. The, it's a shame that we're in this matzav, and the reason we're in this matzav is because, again, there is no Beis HaMikdash, there is no rebuilding of Yerushalayim. So, I mean, to me, that's how, that's how I make it personal. What do you think? So I would say to that, um, that even that reason that you're saying is 100% less selfish of what I said before. Because you're saying that we want the business to come because you want pain to stop, which is 100% true. Right. Everybody wants pain to stop. And if any person that has a heart, Baruch Hashem, and you're seeing other people suffering, you can never say, I live the good life. And then you know your friend is suffering. Good people don't think like that, Baruch Hashem. Most people are good people. So it's impossible to be fully happy when we're in Galut, when we're in exile. Because people are suffering and we care about others. And obviously we want it to end. Sometimes you can't even sleep at night if you actually look at the news or see what goes on. How is it possible to, you mentioned steak, even the steak that we have, how can you really enjoy steak when you know, you know, just the other day, there was a, a mother passed away in Lakewood, just like that, eight, eight children, eight children. So now what? So now what? 
it's just something we should just move on, next click and then yeshiva roll and just move on. No, it's something that we have to take to heart. Hello, wake up. Life is serious. Life is short. We have a lot to accomplish and every tragedy in the world, especially in the Jewish community, is our responsibility to take care of and take to heart. That's what Hashem wants us to do. And it shouldn't bring fear to a person or anxiety to a person. It should actually bring a person to, into more responsibility and responsibility, by the way, leads to enjoyment. When you're actually responsible and you accomplish things and you take care of things and you be a man of a taking responsibility, it will lead to much greater enjoyment than just running away from responsibility. A lot of teenagers I notice don't know that. They think that the more you run away from reality and the more you deny responsibility and the more you close yourself in a make-believe bubble box, the happier you will be. And that's a huge problem because the opposite is true. The more you know that you're the man, meaning you're the boss, and you're in this world to help out other people, and you have to be the mature person on the block, the happier you will be. Because when you take responsibility, it leads to a sense of accomplishment. And the greatest enjoyment, by the way, is to feel good inside and content that you're accomplishing more and more and more. Hashem gave us a bracha. It's called pchira. It's called free choice. And the choices that we make comes with responsibility. The more mature choices you make, the happier a person will be. Not to run away from choices, but rather to tackle head on to make a choice in your life and also to help out other people. But to give another answer of why I want the Beit HaMikdash to come, and this is the real reason, and this is the highest level that our Chachamim tell us. If a person reaches that level, then he's 100% a tzaddik. I just read it again today from Silsi Sharm at the end of Perik Yutet. He says, the reason why you want Mashiach to come is not because our lives are going to be better, even though it would. It's not because we're going to get the best enjoyment, even though we would. It's because we want Hashem's honor to come back to the world. As we speak, although Baruch Hashem, we are, are in the Jewish community and we grew up in a Jewish community, but if you leave, don't, but if you leave the Jewish community and you go see what goes on in the world, Hashem is being trampled on a daily basis everywhere. People are denying God exists. There are human beings walking with two feet on earth claiming they're atheists, which obviously is totally not true. There's no such thing as atheism. But there are people that have such chutzpah that they even can make believe there's no creator to the world. There are people that are making fun of Yiddishkeit wherever you go, making fun of terror, making fun of Shabbos, making fun of Hashem, tefillah, tefillah, and kashras, where unfortunately the whole world is attacking Hashem. They're not pro-Hashem. They're anti-Hashem. That has to stop. We, as the children of Hashem, cannot live longer watching our father being abused on a daily basis. We have a responsibility of representing God in this world. If it's our responsibility, and this is what we're living for, which we are, and that is for the honor of Hashem and to make sure everybody follows Hashem's words in the Torah, we cannot live any longer like that. We need Mashiach to come because we want truth to win. We want everyone to know about truth. So even if we take ourselves out of the picture, of course it's going to be enjoyment, we're going to have the best foods, of course there's going to be no more pain, but even more than let's take ourselves out of the picture. You know why you want Mashiach to come? Because you want Hashem to win. You want truth to win. You want sheker, you want falsehood to stop, you want the bad people to lose. That's you want Mashiach to come on a bigger picture. It's a great point because, you know, for me and, and for this podcast, you know, we do cover the news a lot and you have people like in Congress, you know, people like Rashida Tlaib, who, and my co-host mentioned in, in the last podcast, who will deny like just basic self-evident things and claim things that are just completely factually incorrect about Israel, for example, and how they're uh, targeting children. It, it's it's shtus. I mean, it's so ridiculous. You have to be blind, but you'll see that the overwhelming majority of the world believes that. And we look at it and it's so frustrating because we look and we go, 
is everybody blind? And the answer is no, they're not blind. We're in Gullis. <laughs> That's oh, the answer. Right. Look no further than the UN to see exactly how the world, the United Nations, literally, feels about Israel. And again, you can't separate the Jewish people and Israel and God himself. But I think I feel this the most when it's like the night of Tisha B'Av, and they call out exactly how many years it's been since the destruction of the temple. And I think we're at like... 1956 or 57 it's a lot of years and when you start to think about it and 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 understand that we've been without a, a home for close to 2000 years what in the world would make anybody think that I'll be the one to change it i mean again as we go and the generations continue to deteriorate what's how in the world could we this like the latest generation with the you know with the lowest level in history of Judaism how can we ever hope to be the reason that Mashiach comes beautiful question thank you for asking that question by the way this is my favorite topic I don't know if you guys know no way. <laughs> yeah, this is a beautiful question I can see it all over you Rabbi <laughs> oh really oh gosh that's what my wife tells me by the way <laughs> what's shot? <laughs> I can never hide anything, huh? <laughs> Don't play poker. <laughs> oh, no, he's just good at reading people. <laughs> so I'll answer that question like this. And I have a very big passion for this answer, and I'm a big believer in it. And I'm not saying it just to say over Divitero, even though it's also beautiful. I really mean this, and I hope the listeners are going to open up their hearts and really take this one to heart, because it's 100% truth. And if we take action with it, Mashiach will really come. First of all, to answer that question, the fact that we're even talking about Tishabov. And the fact that we're even going to fast this Tisha B'Av, and we're going to do it proudly, whether it's 27 hours or 25 hours, it feels like 48 hours. <laughs> we're going to do it proudly. The fact that we're still doing it so many years after the destruction of the Temple of Beit HaMikdash, to me is the biggest Kiddush Hashem, and to me is the biggest sign that Beit HaMikdash will be rebuilt. Because if we haven't stopped let go, where do we learn that from the Torah? Just to get a little deep, we learned it with Yaakov Avinu. Yaakov Avinu never got over the fact that his son Yosef, quote-unquote, passed away. He wasn't buying it. No matter what story he told him, Yaakov Avinu, the father of Yosef, was not buying it. And he was still an Avelis. He was still mourning for his son. He never gave up hope on his son. Now, usually tzaddikim play by the game. And when it's seven days, if they lose a relative, seven days later, they stop crying. They still cry, but a little less. 30 days later, they're out. One year, they're out because they're such tzaddikim that they know how to focus on the main mission in life, and that is to serve Hashem, and they know everything happens for a reason. But Yaakov, you know, over here, didn't stop. He was still sitting on a veil. He was not giving up. He still felt Yosef at Sadiq is alive and somewhere. He couldn't let go. He couldn't let go. He knew somewhere Yosef was alive. And because of that, the Sfas Emes and a lot of Sfarim say, that gave Yosef at Sadiq back in Egypt, when he was in Mitzrayim, with all the Tum'ah and all the impurity and all the Goyim next to him and all the commotion, the corruption, that gave Yosef at Sadiq the strength to survive and not be influenced by the Egyptians. See, even though Yaakov Avinu was very far away, and they both were not interacting, but the fact that Yaakov never gave up hope on Yosef far away gave Yosef the strength to keep on going, even though he was in exile in Egypt. So the fact that we're over here... You heard that one before? Yeah, no, it's very interesting. So the fact that we're over here in exile in America, although America is a good place, but again, like we said before, it's not nearly where we're supposed to be. We should never compromise on where we're supposed to be, ever. We're much greater and bigger than America, and we could do much greater things with the Beit HaMikdash. But the fact that we're here, or we're even talking about the Beit HaMikdash, 
is the biggest sign that we never gave up hope. It's the biggest sign that the Beit HaMikdash in Yerushalayim is not history. It's not gone. It's alive. It's here. And it's waiting to come at any moment. We're living a movie as we speak. It's not, we're not doing a documentary about something called Yerushalayim. We're actually doing a live thing about something that can happen at any second. You know, I remember before Lahavdil, Elif of Dallas, but I remember before Trump won the first time. Back to Trump. Everything leads to Trump, right? <laughs> Back to 2016. When Trump, Trump was only declared the winner, I think it was like two or three in the morning. It didn't happen right. It was like two or three in the morning. Right. I was up listening to the radio. I remember it was 11.30 radio AM. I was up listening to the radio. It didn't feel like I was, it's like it's history, like it's a boring topic. I was waiting anxiously. What's what's the news? What's, did he win? Did he not win? And then he won state after state. So state. We were living it. It was live. It was happening. Right now over here, when we talk about Tisha B'Av and Yerushalayim, a person shouldn't have that feeling of, okay, let's try to revive history. That's totally not the case. What we're doing is we're living the present. The Beit Dash could be rebuilt as we speak. It can happen right now. And a person showing anxiously, maybe really is going to come tomorrow morning. Maybe it's going to come at any moment. As long as you understand you're not in history, Yerushalayim, you're actually living a live movie as we speak, playing live. It's going to give you chizik. It's going to give you strength that you actually can make a huge difference. And to answer your question, why would a person in our generation even think he can bring Mashiach? If Rashi couldn't do it, if the Rambam couldn't do it, if the Tanoim and the Gemara and the Maraim, if the Rishonim, the Goinim, if the Chavetz Chaim couldn't do it, if Chacham Avayda didn't do it, then how can we do it? To answer that question, the answer is just the opposite is true. Just the opposite. And this all has me caught in the Torah. Rechaim Vital, who was the favorite student of the Rizal, if I'm allowed to say that, Rechaim Vital is one that put out all the manuscripts of the Arizal, of his Rebbe, the famous Mikubo and Sadiq, Rechaim Vital asked this question to the Arizal. He asked him, Rebbe, if the Rishonim couldn't bring Mashiach, and they're much greater and bigger than us, they're much bigger tzaddikim, and no matter how hard we learn and we keep mitzvah, we're not nearly as close as them, and they didn't bring Mashiach, why will Mashiach come in our generation? The Arizal answered him a beautiful answer. He told them in Judaism, it's not about quantity, it's about quality. It's not about kamos, it's about eichas. It's not about how much mitzvahs you do and how much Torah you learn. It's about the quality of the Torah that you learn and the mitzvahs that you actually do accomplish. Like Chacham Avad Yosef said, he said in Shammayim, they're not going to ask a person how many das of Gemara did you learn. In Shammayim, Hashem is going to ask him how many hours did you put into the daf. What Hashem is asking from us is loyalty. How loyal are you to HaKadosh Baruch How loyal are you to Torah and mitzvahs? And like the Meshgiach or Blazer Ginsburg of the Mir in Brooklyn, he once told me, I asked him the same question. And he told me, you know that in the times before Mashiach, it's called Chevle Mashiach. Now what's in Hebrew, how do you say the word rope? Chevel. Chevel is a rope. He says, why do we call the times before Mashiach that we're living in right now, by the way? Why do we call Chevle Mashiach? The times before Mashiach is called Chevle Mashiach, the rope of Mashiach. So he says, because you know when you're holding on to a rope and you're holding very tight? You're holding very tight to a rope. Imagine you and your friends holding on tight. And then somebody comes and starts shaking the rope. Whoever holds on the tightest will last the longest. Whoever has not such a strong grip is going to start falling when the rope is being shaken. The reason why it's called Chivr Mashiach is because there's going to come a time when the world is going to be shaking. Hashem is going to shake the world and test who has real grip on the loyalty of Torah. Who is a real soldier of God? That no matter what the goyim and the culture tell them, you tell them absolutely not. I am a proud servant of Hashem. The harder the grip is onto the rope and the chevel, which is the Torah mitzvot, the stronger you fight against the corruption of the world, the bigger loyal person you are. The more loyalty you have, the more you're going to bring Mashiach. So the more corruption, 
the more choshech, the more sins, the more ta'avot, the more desires, because we have so much, and we do so little, but the little that we do means to Hashem so much because there's so much darkness, that's going to bring Mashiach. That's beautiful. So you're, clear, saying, though? so you're saying yes. that we have a far greater test than any of previous generation, which is probably true. Yes, for sure. Right? I mean, that the I rabbis mean, that, are saying, not And that's me, a Gemara, the, right? Isn't there the Gemara that says, uh, I, I forget where the Gemara says it, but where, where uh, a bunch of Tanaim were discussing it and said, uh, one of the one of the Tanaim said, I, I want to see it, but I don't want to live, live through it. Right. And I, I think about that often, actually, because it, it feels like that now. Between uh, the temptations that exist in the world, whether it be thanks to technology and all the things that go on, whether it be just living day-to-day life, the nisyonis that, that I feel that Klai Yisrael have now, in history, there was never such a thing like this. Right. The, the rabbis say that all the time. I mean, the Satmar Rebbe, Rabbi Yorvon Sefer, I mean, when did he pass away? 1960s, I think he passed away, the Satmar Rebbe, the Rabbi Yorvon. And he said, what it takes a yeshiva bacher and our generation to see in a couple of hours took our, he was going back, our yentas back in Europe, took a couple of weeks to get to. That's what the Satmar Rebbe said about Shmiris and I am, about watching the wow. eyes. So what are we going to say in our generation? Right. Our generation, unfortunately, the teenagers are going through a very, very hard test. I always think, Hashem, Baruch Hashem, that I was in the generation right after the iPhones. Right after the iPhones. Whoever had a phone when I was a kid, what they had was those big phones, or I still remember the beepers. My parents had the beepers back in the day. Mm-hmm. And no, I didn't have a cell phone. Nobody, nobody had a cell phone. It was a once in a blue moon. This generation, they're going through a tough test. The teenagers, they're going through a tough test. But they have to understand, if Hashem chose them, to be in that battle, that means he believes in them to beat that battle. There's a reason why Hashem chose you to live in such a generation. That means you could do it. And how do you do it? By showing loyalty. How do you show loyalty to Hashem? By saying no to the temptations of the world that no generations had before. And that loyalty is going to bring Mashiach. That's exactly what's going to bring Mashiach. But one other point that I, I took out from what you said before, I think you said Hamavad, you said it, it's not the qu- quantity, it's the quality, and it's not. they're not going to ask you how many dafs of Gemara. So you're basically telling me I should stop doing the daf yomi. That's what, <laughs> that, that's what I got out of this whole thing. From all... There's <laughs> <laughs> actually now almond yomi, it's called a raisa. <laughs> now there's a shnais yomi too. And there's do nothing yomi also, if you want. <laughs> no, Chazosha, it, was, it was not to stop the daf thing at all. I'm but, kidding, I'm kidding. But sometimes, listen, some, uh, listen. it is true. We had this in Yeshiva too. As, as, I was Yeshiva Bukhar too. And I, I, there's very smart kids in Yeshiva. And a person can get intimidated from the smart boys. You know, they come in, they get the sugi right away. And you're sitting there, you don't know what's going on even with Rashi. But you should just know, and that's the secret to Judaism, it's Hashem is looking for your loyalty. He's looking how much time and effort you're putting into something. In the world, you don't get A for effort. It does not exist. Your marks and your test is how much brains you have and how much knowledge you have. In Judaism, the opposite is the truth. You literally get an A for effort. When I was a teacher, I had a Yitzhahara to give an A for effort to some of the students because I saw it in front of my face. You yeah, have one trying guy. so hard. I mean, give them a break. They, you know, that mark would, would encourage well, them. Well, encourage them and give them right. I really wanted to do it, but legally, I'm not allowed to do that. Right. So over here, we're very legal, so obviously we're not doing it. Besides, of course, I pay my taxes and everything. <laughs> so I'm saying I, did not, I could not give the guy an A for effort, obviously, but I really wanted to. But 
That's why Hashem is so awesome. That's why Judaism is so beautiful and gishmak. Hashem really values the effort that you put into something. The accomplishment is the effort. The goal is how much loyalty and time you're putting into Kaddish Baruch. You know, it's interesting. The Gemara in Shabbos tells us that one of the first three questions Hashem is going to ask us, Lehatid Lavo, is Aim Kavata Itim Torah? Did you set specific time and permanent time to learn Torah every single day? Why doesn't the Gemara say that Hashem is going to ask us, Did you learn Torah? Aim Lamadata Torah. It says, Aim Kavata. Kavasa itil Did you set time for Torah? Why is it about setting the time that Hashem is going to ask? Why is it just ask? Did you learn? Because what Hashem is looking for is how much time you put into something. Because Hashem is looking for the loyalty when something is important to you. When something is a priority, it's the commitment that Hashem right. is looking for. Not that, of course, the learning is important. You have to become a tamachacham. It says vishnatan levanech. You have to know Torah by heart. No question about it. You got to become a tamachacham. That should be your goal. But at the same time, don't lose your eye from the ball. The goal that is what Hashem is looking for is time and effort, a sweat into Judaism. That's what Hashem is looking for. Actually, shout out to uh, Rabbi Stefanski, uh, who does the daf very, very popular. I think he's the most popular daf yomi uh, shir in the world. And uh, his famous quote is, it's not about the daf, it's about the yomi, oh, which wow. is exactly that. That's a beautiful line. And as someone who does do the daf, I can say that it's 100% true because you wake up and you're already thinking, okay, I gotta, I gotta get the daf. And then yeah, you have lunch. before you open your eyes. Yeah, I gotta, I gotta get the daf. You, and I do all the learning, but the daf learning, it's such a, uh, it, it weighs on you and it's the commitment of it that's the difficulty. Much more than learning. It's the, the it's a the beautiful daf. line. It's not about the daf, it's about the yeah, man. It's yeah, beautiful. that's his line. So He's a, he's a rock star. He's, he's a rock star. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I wanted to just talk a little bit about. I, I, I apologize. I know you're you're on a clock here, mm-hmm. but I did want to talk about this because I think a, a lot of people look at the world and they they're thinking this. Uh, I was mentioning when we were off the air about how on many of the major news websites, Israel is featured prominently as the lead story. They're talking about a civil war that's that's about to happen in Israel. It kind of feels like that. We mentioned on on the pod, on the last podcast about. Uh, someone who said something terrible. Uh, I, I don't know if he was firm or not. Something about the Holocaust. I don't even want to talk about it again. But it, it we, I look at what's going on in Eretz Yisrael between Jews, and I say, but I don't get it. How can Mashiach possibly come if we ourselves, right? And we all, we always talk about Hacham tell us That was the thing that that destroyed the base of Mikdash. How on earth could Mashiach come? If Hashem's looking down on us right now and saying, my children. You, you're about to have a civil war. You can't even get along with each other. How can I bring Mashiach? What's the answer to that? Uh, it's a very sad question. Um, but just because the news says we're having a civil war doesn't mean it exists. Good point. There is absolutely no civil war going on in Israel. Most of the country is with uh, Bibi. That's really what goes on. But the small amount that's not is just very loud, and they can make a lot of noise. But overall, the country is very traditional, and they're pro-Hashem, and they're pro Shabbat, even though they're not fully religious, but they're definitely very respectful of the religious people. That is most of the country. I find that like really inspiring, by the way, to have people that know that they're not on the level, yet have a respect for it and say, you know what, it's it's not, I'm not there yet, but I support you and I'm very respectful of whatever it is that you're doing. Right. I mean, listen, my, most of my family and just always like that. They're traditional Jews. They're not religious yet. Hopefully they will be. But they're very respectful. 
I mean, the reason why I know about Kiddush and Yom Kippur and Shavuos was because when I was in Israel as a kid growing up, they celebrate. We did all this stuff, even though even though they weren't religious. You know, you could go to the beach Shabbat day, but at the same time, you make Kiddush Friday night, even though again it's in a vera and it has to stop and, and it's not good. But at the same time, the positive, the toiv in it is the fact that Jews are so still have imuna in them. They still believe in Hashem and they respect it. When you respect it and you value, one day you're going to get there too. That, that's the good sign. So just because the news says it doesn't mean it's true, it's probably not true. But to answer the question about the whole Sinat Chinam thing, it's tough. Sinat Chinam is tough. It, it really is a tough subject because we could talk about it all day and then within the next hour, an Esoyan test can come up and boom, Sinat Chinam once again. What defines Sinat Chinam is that we're not outgoing about love. Just saying I don't hate someone is not not having Sinat Chinam. We're going to have Avat Chinam. Avat Chinam means you got to be outgoing. But I want to share with you some good news that's going on in the world. And of course, I'm not going to talk about it. But there's really, really good news coming out there. And it's uh, the best time to talk about it is actually now, before Tisha B'Av, where we're talking about rebuilding the Bet HaMikdash and how B'ezat Hashem, all Jews are going to come together from the four corners of the earth to Jerusalem with Melech HaMashiach B'ezat Hashem. The good news is I have the Zechus, I have the merit to work a little bit in the Kirov world. And when I say a little bit, I mean it. Because I see people out there, I call them the big sharks in the Kirov world, where they do tremendous work in Kirov. I'm talking about Yom and Velayla. They put the time and effort to help at every single Jew. Like even hosting people in their houses, sleeping in the living room, giving up their room sometimes just to host a boy, unfortunately, that needs help. Really giving up their lives. They don't have a Shabbat table normally, Friday night meal, Chagim, Yom Tov. Everything is for Kirov, Kirov, Kirov. And the Jews are coming back. Most Jews right now, as we speak, want to come back to Hashem. And this is the scary part, because we have a very big responsibility. It's not that the non-religious Jews, it's not that the unaffiliated Jews don't want to come back and they're anti-coming back. It's that they don't know better. And if you actually offer them the gold and the opportunity and the beauty that we have, and it's to serve Hashem, and educate them slowly, they actually will respect you and actually want to do it. That's the feedback I'm getting and I'm seeing. I never got any backlash. And I mentioned I got backlash once. Because one time on Torani time, I said it to the camera. I said, I want to meet somebody called, quote-unquote, an atheist. I want to meet such a creature. I know who I, I've never met an atheist before. And he reached out to you. And he reached out to me. <laughs> he emailed me and he says, yeah, I'll meet you. We'll debate. We'll debate. And then we met and we spent like a good four hours together. It was in Queens. And for four hours of a conversation, this, quote-unquote, atheist, Baruch Hashem, we got him to move up a notch, a madrega. He went from an atheist to being an agnostic. Yes, whatever that is. <laughs> You, and he actually, I would told them if in four hours I was able to move you from being an atheist to this next level, agnaganist, whatever it is, then can you imagine what would it be like if you actually give Hashem a chance and start learning like a mensch? Can you not throw your forefathers in Judaism under the bus so fast for, for physical pleasures and desires? Like, well, what are you doing? So there's no such thing as atheist, it doesn't exist, and most Jews want to come back. So they give you the good news. As we speak, the organizations that I work with and I, I'm in touch with, and again, it's also a, a drop in the ocean because I work in parts of New York and parts of, uh, of Jersey, but out of, and this is not even counting Chabad, but out of organizations that I'm working with, just this year, they reached over 30,000 teenagers that came in touch with our organizations. Amazing. What is coming in touch means, it meant that they actually came to classes, they came to learn Torah, they came for Shabbatot, and that's the organizations I work with, which is what? three, four, or five organizations. And New York is a massive place, and there are many people that do Kirov 
from the houses you're never going to know about. Not everybody has an organizational title on them that are doing tremendous kirif. So Jews are coming back. The nevuah that the Navi said that Bezat Hashem, the children of the parents who are not religious are going to come back to Hashem, is really happening as we speak. People want to hear Torah. People want to hear about Hashem. They're lost. They're confused. They're really part of that world that they thought they called fun and they realize there's nothing there. It's a dead end and they want to come back. So the good news is, Rabbi Tai before Tishabov, the good news is that the Jews are coming back. There are more religious people every single year as we speak, Baruch Hashem. Amazing. Amazing. Rabbi, it was amazing having you here. Please tell our listeners how they could hear more from you. Okay, so besides Torah Anytime, we brought Hashem Star Organization with uh, Yechiel, and it's called um, backtosinai.com. Backtosinai.com. Is there a website? Saw you at Sinai? Okay, Not to be confused. Not, you do, you get that? <laughs> yes, I get it all really? the time. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so something to do with Shaduchim. No, not to do with Shaduchim. Back to Senate.com. The concept is to bring as many Yidin back to Harsina, back to Torah as much as possible. And the concept of the organization is, is that we match up people to learn Torah on the phone. Which means if you have somebody that's far away from Shul, doesn't know any rabbis, that wants to know more about Judaism, Shabbat, Mitzvot, they reach out to us through the website, they send an application, and then we match them up with a mentor in Lakewood or Brooklyn at different places. This organization started around seven to eight months ago, and Baruch Hashem, Baruch Hashem, with Hashem's help, we got close to 300 people signed up to start learning Torah on the phone. These are unaffiliated Amazing. Jews from different places. So wait, is this for only men, or is it men and women? It's for both men and women, all ages. If somebody's under 18, we send them to URA, because URA has this whole legal system that they work with anybody under 18 that reaches out. Mm-hmm. But if you're above 18, reach out to us, back to signit.com free of charge we're going to match you up with a mentor you can learn from the comfort of your own home on zoom what's a video phone call whatever you want and you're going to learn about shabbat you're going to learn about mitzvah you're going to learn about blessings what it means to be a jew learn about history and when you start learning torah you're going to have a sense of feeling of happiness of connecting to your roots and connecting to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. truly a great schus and a great schus sitting with you rabbi Thank you so much. A great thank you to Rabbi Yaakov Rahimi. And of course, wishing to all our listeners an easy, meaningful Tisha B'Av. And hopefully this will be the last podcast before Mashiach was out Hashem. Amen. Thank Amen. you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you guys for listening. If you enjoyed the episode, share it with someone that you think would enjoy it. Of course, you know you can follow us on social. We're on Twitter. We're on Instagram. Follow us there. You can also reach out to us by email. It's hock, H-O-C-K, at kiddishclubpodcast.com. And you can support the cast by visiting us at buymeacoffee.com slash kiddishclub. The link is in the show notes. And we are out. We are out.